You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 392. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 392. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, audience. I am thrilled to be connecting with all of you again on this beautiful day. And this week, we are continuing our series on perfectionism. This particular week, we are going to be doing a coaching session that I'm going to be sharing with you that I conducted with a brilliant woman named Ify. And I think many of you are going to hear yourself, your own stories in what she has to share with me. We're going to dig into a lot of parental influence on perfectionist tendencies. Hello, a lot of people adopt the behavior of perfectionism because we are trying to stay safe inside families of origin that demand that we perform in a specific way. So perfectionism is absolutely one of those things that we lean on to create our identity. And then it's not until many, many years later or realizing that perfectionism is having you locked in procrastination or you are keeping all of your self-worth in things outside of yourself that you realize something has got to change. Something has got to shift. So I highly encourage you to have a pen and paper handy. I think it would be great for you to snag Ify's homework assignments that I give to her and see if you can apply them in your own world. Before we jump into this coaching session, I wanted to share something with you that I think you may find hugely exciting. So if you've hung out with me for any length of time, you know that my signature program is called Deep Down and Dirty. And I had been recently feeling convicted to revamp it and kind of re-energize the curriculum that I have taught and curated since, gosh, middle of the 2000s, I guess. And I have an arsenal of new tools and tactics and strategies to help people relinquish things like perfectionism. So I am starting a brand new cohort on May 20th. It will continue to be something that is available. However, this will be the first kickoff. I'm only going to take a small amount of of people through this program. And I never, ever, ever have more than 10 people in the program at one time. So we're starting afresh. We're starting new with a bunch of new tactics and tools and things that can help shift All of this stuff that we talk about on the show, people-pleasing, perfectionism, chronic self-doubt, genuinely believing in your enoughness. So here's how it usually shows up. This is what I see in a large swath of people who come to this work. There's some sort of way in which it's manifesting, behavioral tactics that, that we are employing to try to stay safe. Sometimes it's a real tight grip on control. Sometimes it manifests as anxiety. Sometimes it is chronic perfectionism like we've been talking about lately. A lot of times it's a heavy investment in the opinions of other people, that chronic people-pleasing, self-doubt. But what that's fueled by, the genesis of of that behavior comes from our beliefs about ourselves. And spoiler alert, for many of us, that is formed in our childhood. So we develop this belief that we are intrinsically flawed. We are damaged in some way. And what that incurs then is the emotion of shame. That's what we feel. We feel, I am not valuable. I am not good enough, not a good enough parent, not thin enough, not ha- you know, uh, happy enough or grateful enough with my career. And so we're striving, striving, striving. And that's what leads us to these behavioral patterns where we're trying to attain that worth in some other way, right? 
And usually what happens is there's one major category of our life where it hurts the most, right? Like you can really feel your lack of boundaries and your inability to speak up for yourself and that need to make other people happy in an intimate partnership. Maybe that's the big pain that you're feeling right now. Or sometimes it's a desire to change your careers or to branch out and start a nonprofit or any number of things that we really want to do. But what's getting in our way is our relationship with ourself. It's that internal belief that we actually matter, that we're deserving. And what we do in Deep Down and Dirty is shift all of that. And you can find information if you want on my site. I chronicle exactly what Deep Down and Dirty is all about. But if you are interested and you want to join this brand new cohort of powerful fucking badasses, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash apply. And that will give you an opportunity to schedule a call with a member of my team. And you can start looking at Are there things that I'm contending with in my life that deep down and dirty can help me shift and change? And I have seen it over and over and over again with with women who think that they are uniquely flawed, uniquely broken, and it's somehow going to work for everybody else but not for me. And that's a very common sentiment. (laughs) And then flash forward nearly four months later, and they've completely altered their relationship with themselves. And that then informs how they engage with the world. So I have seen people go on to become coaches. I've seen tons of people manifest their soulmate. I've seen people end toxic relationships and marriages and relationships with family, create incredible boundaries with everyone in their life and also in their workplace. I've seen people strive for things and go back to school and quit smoking and get in shape and all of these things because they genuinely believe that they are deserving of it and that they're worthy of it. It can change everything. So again, if you want to join us, if you're interested in hearing about more of it, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash apply. We would love to chat with you and support you and see if it's a good fit for you. So definitely jump on that sooner than later. Spots on the calendar are are going to be slim. I'm assuming that there's going to be quite quite a bit of interest. And we would love to be that support for you and figure out if it's the right fit. So without further ado, let's give a little snapshot of what it might be like to work through a little bit, just a tip of the iceberg around issues with perfectionism here with Ify. So why don't you tell me, I know you submitted how perfectionism kind of shows up in your world, but size it up for me here, just in your own words. How do you see perfectionism kind of manifest in your life? When we're talking about perfectionism, first of all, I think everything starts from somewhere, right? So for me, ever since I've been younger, having been like my parents who are perfectionists and my dad specifically, who's a perfectionist by nature. Um, I always try to copy his behavior. That's what I think at least. Um, So the pressures of being my father's daughter has led to me now in my adult life, put applying perfectionism to things that don't even require it. (laughs) You know, you know, there's, there's stuff, you know, say you want to be perfect at work. That makes sense. And people can say, you know what, that's the right place to try to have some level of perfectionism, but I'm trying to perfect the order at dinner. Uh, Right. (laughs) All kinds of irrelevant things uh, now that just slows everything down. Right. So that's, I would say the best way I can explain how perfectionism manifests in my life is it's in everything. It's, it literally slows down the growth of anything. It slows down decision-making, which then leads to mm-hmm. indecision. And sometimes yeah. you overanalyze, you paralyze. Uh, that's also something as well. So for me, it, it's been this constant battle of one, I want to do quality things. I want to spend time quality. I want to, I want to produce quality products or quality, make have quality results. That is for sure. That's never going to change. But for me now, it seems that I've like, associated quality with somebody must validate it as perfect. If somebody comes out and looks at it, 
it must in their mind be the best it, the best it could be um in I think that's just on its own what causes anxiety if anything else so do you find yourself whenever there's a task at hand whether it's at work or whether it's with family or make putting in an order do you look for affirmation from other people or approval oh my god all the time (laughs) it's like it's like what are we gonna order today you know, it's, it's mm. at work, it's, you put, you put stuff out there and then you just cringe and then you wait for someone to be like, oh, that's great. And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, she said it's great. And, and I know it's great, but she said it's great. So now we both know it's great. It has to be great, you know? So yeah, for sure. Wow. I'm, I think I'm always seeking affirmation about a decision that I'm making, even the smallest decisions. That's how you know it's a problem. <laughs> And if you don't get it, if you don't get approval, or if you don't get any kind of positive feedback, what tends to happen for you internally? Well, I think that's where we have that, that slowdown, right? So let's say you're running on, you're running on gas and you're on full momentum. um, And I'm using, you know, I'm using the word you as just an example, but let's just Personalize sure. it. Let's say I'm running on gas and I'm on full momentum and I'm I'm just ready to execute. And the last step is that hey, take a look at this, right? And and I'm and I'm often seeking the people closest around me who whose opinions I do value. And I also you know want to make that distinction is it's not the value of people I don't respect. It's the value of people I do respect that slows me down, right? It's, it's right. their affirmation that slows me down. Um, but I find that. In, in waiting and if I don't get it or if I don't get it the way I'm hoping to get it, it just means I have to go back and try again or work harder or perfect this a little bit more. You know, I don't scratch anything, but it slows down an otherwise continuous process, I would say, I think. So so this is really curious to me because I think there's, uh, there's something happening here too with your immediate mention of dad. Mm. and you know, that he was, or probably still Mm. is, has a lot of perfectionist tendencies. So one of the things that I think we don't realize about perfectionism is that we don't do it just for the fuck of it. We do it as a defense mechanism. We do it to protect ourselves in some way. Mm. So, uh, and then it becomes sort of like a badge of honor. It's one of those kind of honorable things to struggle with. Right. Uh, you know, like the proverbial job interview when people say, what's your, what's your worst quality? Oh, well, I'm just a perfectionist. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, we don't say, uh, I'm actually always five minutes late. <laughs> we, we say, oh, I'm a perfectionist. What was that like growing up? Because it sounds like both of your, your parents were, were had, had a tight grip on perfectionism. We'll talk about the good and the bad, right? Because I think there's okay. different, there are different elements to everything and, and how it's, it molds who I am and who, who anyone is. But pos- positively, right? My, my dad is an intellectual let's put it that way, right? He was, he was a diplomat all of my life. So ever since I was young, you know, in, in Nigeria, we do something called dictating. So, you, you know, let's say he's preparing a speech or he's preparing a report or whatever, he'll dictate it and then you'll type it up, right? Okay. So he'll, he'll be saying it, he'll be reading it word for word and then you'll type it up and then he'll go, and then, no, 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 that's wrong. No, no. And then we should, no, 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 that's wrong. No, 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 no. And then we can, perfect. That's the word. Yeah. And then we can write that one down. Right. And mm. you watch him go back and forth with something that is so simple. You could have, it didn't require all that. Right. But you watch him go back and forth. And every time you're, you're typing, you're backspacing and you're typing a new one and you're backspacing, you're typing a new one. And it's, it's never ready. It's never right. And when it's wow. right. And you like, you take a, de- a breath of fresh air. He comes back and he looks at it and he's like, no, no, we're going to scratch this paragraph. We're going to start this last paragraph again. And it was a perfect paragraph, right? So Mm -hmm. I look at things with that lens and it's it's hard to unlearn that because I'm talking, I've been writing notes since I was a little girl. (laughs) So it's hard to unlearn that. So on the positive theme, in the positive way, it's amazing. It it, it motivates this like spirit of excellence. You got to, you got to be good at it and you got to get it right. But then now you're chasing this, who, who determines whether it's right? 
who determines that this paragraph wasn't good? I read it. I thought it was great. You didn't think it was great. You you know, and I think that's, if we're talking about, let's go back there. That's, that's that experience when I was younger. Right. And then everything else. And this is something that you'll find in a lot of immigrant children who grow up to be immigrant adults in the United States or, or whatnot. Immigrant parents <laughs> have a different level of <laughs> Amy, a different level. And I can speak as an African, so I have African immigrant parents, um, but a different level of expectation when it comes to anything, right? Yeah. Where in Nigeria, we say, you know, you come home and you've got, you've got, an, you've got an A and you're thinking that's a good thing. And, and your African parent is going to say, oh, you got an A? Who got an A plus? Does she, right. does she have two heads? Does she have, does she have 20 toes? <laughs> Why did that mm-hmm. happen? And if you can, if you can imagine that type of lifestyle, that is, that is the lifestyle coming from one, the country that I come from, um, Nigeria, right. and the household that I come from and, and the parents that I come from. It's, it's always, you can do, you can do better, achieve a spirit right. of excellence. But then what does that even look like? I think is where I struggled. Yeah. Well, it's so curious because it's, it's rooted in something that is so noble and it's, it is such pure intent, right? Like you can look at a situation and, and I say this from standing outside, cause clearly that's not my lived experience, but cause my parents were like, yeah, get whatever grades. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, my, the, my younger brothers were way more of a concern than I was, <laughs> but you know, so obviously that's not not mine to, to speak on, but I can at least assume that their intention is one of, we want you to thrive. We see this incredible intellect that you have. We see all of this capability that you have. And now we're in an environment that fosters that make the best of it. I'm assuming that there was sort of a noble intent. I, I, you know, for sure, you know, you think about it in the sense where, and, and I think this is something once again, that parents do a lot of, and, and I don't know all parents, but I'll talk about mine, is putting their their hopes in you, right? Right. So it, it's not a question of like, not just, it's noble, right? They want you to be successful. They want you to do good and they want you to be better, but everything, you are a product of all of their work, right? And right. that's kind of how I see it. So I... You know, my, my family is also a family very much so of like, what will people say, right? Mm-hmm. What will people mm-hmm. say? Um, if you don't do as good as you, that as good as I know you can do, what will people say? If you flunk out, what will people say? If, if, if this comes out bad, what will people say? So I mm-hmm. think that's one way to look at it. There's this projection of, of as a family, what will people say? And then now as an adult, I'm no longer shadowed by what family you know, that family expectation, but it's become a personal expectation, Amy. That's right. For me, it's like, I got to put this out. And if it's not good, what will people say? And and then I sit back sometimes and I'm like, which people? No one gives a fuck about you. (laughs) Everyone's living their own lives, but I'm still over here wondering what will they say? (laughs) Right. Right? Well, so there's, there's a couple of things that I think are really interesting about this. One is the anecdote that you shared about your father and the re redoing of all the dictation. That seems like it's become this metaphor for your life now yeah. of, of the doing and then the redoing and then the scratching it out and then a not ready yet. And then going back to the drawing board, you know, cause it sounds like that's what you were sharing with me, it, what you submitted around sort of a failure to launch, like the things that you want to go after now in your mm-hmm. life. It's like, you keep going back and scratching it out and retrying and scratching it out before you actually get the speech out there or get whatever it is, uh, done. Yeah. 100, 100%. The other thing that I thought was really curious is how, I don't know if you've ever heard this statement about parents, be careful what you say to your children, because your voice will become their inner voice. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard that, that phrase or that statement? But I like the way you put it. And I'm probably butchering somebody's quote, so <laughs> my bad. But I I see that that for you as well, where it's like perhaps there's not a, cons, a constant barrage of commentary from your family of origin any longer, but that narrative lives in you and has now become your own 
self-fulfilling prophecy of continuing to speak to yourself at that such high standard. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. I think I've, like I said, I'm no longer under that bracket and under the shadow of, of, of that. Right. It's one that I've created in my mind, I believe. Um, and it's one that it's no one, like I said, no one is speaking to me and telling me that I must do something this way, or I must seek validation right. first. It's me telling me like, Oh, okay, this is good. But, but is it great? You know, this is not bad, right. but could it, could it be better? And, and I know the final answer the, and the final answer, Amy, is that it can always be better. <laughs> so, so that's, that's not going to change whether or not you do something, because no matter what you do, we can have this really good interview, this really good, um, you know, session right now. And it could always be better. I could always sure. do more. You could always give me better advice. Does that mean you're not yes. going to do it? Right. So I, I know right. that part for sure, but it's getting myself to, to come into alignment with what I know to be true. <laughs> it's like I know yes. it, but how do I get myself to come here to this point where I, I know what it is to be true? I don't know. So, okay. So what, what you're referring to is something called cognitive dissonance. It's where you intellectually know something and it's housed basically in the conscious faculty of the mind. So our conscious portion of the mind is, I don't know, roughly 10% of our mind's power. Mm. 90% is the subconscious faculty of the mind, which is where our beliefs are housed. So if you developed a belief from a very early age Mm that there's no other option except perfectionism and that that was a behavioral tactic of this is how I stay safe. This is how I gain approval. This is how I have friendships. This is how I stand out in my family of origin or in school or whatever. And we attach to that. That becomes a part of that 90% of the subconscious mind. So it doesn't matter how much is happening at that conscious level how much you know, if we don't actually change and rewire the belief patterns, those two things will stay in opposition because then guess what dictates your behavior? The subconscious. So if there's still that underlying belief of like, no matter what, it has to be flawless. And then you're approaching a a work project And consciously, you can watch your own self-sabotaging behavior. You can watch yourself go back and edit something to death that does not need to be edited or redo a project that nobody is going to give a shit about or, you know, that it's so minute or you, I have a classic problem of rewriting things just because I want my lettering to look better. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not that I wrote it wrong. It's that I want my penmanship to look better. So shit like that, that literally doesn't matter. That's going to win every time because that that's what's housed in the subconscious. That's what rules all of our behavior. Mm. So even if you're consciously watching yourself going, what the fuck am I doing this? Why? No, just let it go. The subconscious isn't going to let it go. Cause that's, it's the big dog. It's what's really running the show. Uh, And then sort of the dividing line between those two things, between the conscious and the subconscious is the critical factor of the mind, which is our inner critic. So the minute we try to do something that's in opposition to the subconscious. So the minute you try to put that down and say, no, I'm not going to finesse that again. I'm not going to rewrite that one more time. The inner critic is fighting for the subconscious. It's fighting for what it knows to be true. So it goes like, are you just going to walk away from that? Are you just going to do half-ass shit? You better get back there. You better. Yeah. Oh, now you just don't care about, you know, so then your inner critic starts talking shit to you because it's trying to get you to stay in alignment with that subconscious belief. Hmm. I know I threw a lot of stuff out there right now, but does that make sense at all? It does make sense. And I, and I agree with you. I feel like it's just constantly, you know, better, but you're still not doing better. All right. That's that, that's that kind of scenario where it's like, you know, better, but you're still just not applying what you know, because something else is, is winning. And I think in the case of your explanation is your subconscious is actually, it's the big dog here. So whereas a part of you knows better, the big dog is calling the shots and, and And if you're not careful, if you're not aware, you'll lose every time. That's right. So, you know, on one hand, 
I love using that explanation because it's very much rooted in science, but it also gives an explanation of, of human behavior so that there's not something that's uniquely wrong with you or why can't I figure out this, this pattern of behavior that I always have. It's quite literally how we're wired. So then it becomes, okay, I have a deep-seated belief around perfectionism that I want to change. Now, how do I go about doing that? How do I make the conscious and the subconscious congruent, right? So that they're not two opposing forces. Yeah. So my question to you then would be, you originally were talking about how there was like some good things to the perfectionism, you know, shooting for excellence. Yeah. But then there was some downsides to it. So tell me how it's impeding things that you want right now at this stage in your life. I think initially we talked about like failure to launch, right? And maybe yep. this element of analysis paralysis. And I think that happens with me a lot, right? Now I'm getting better little by little. Um, and it's, it's funny because sometimes I, I get in and I moderate panels where I'm telling women, you know, just do it. Just get out there. Just launch this. Just write the book. Just da 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 da. We'll help you with resources because I have a I have a community group that I I moderate for, um, and then I sit back and I'm like, man, I'm telling these ladies all the things that I need to be telling myself. I've got right. projects sitting in the drafts where I'm like, just a little bit more, and then I'll and then I'll share it with the world. I don't want the world to see a, a half baked idea because they won't get it. They only get it if it's perfect, right? <laughs> you know. Right. And, and I have that, and there's so many things that I've, you know, in different scenarios and in different moments, I've thought that this would be really good to share. I think this would benefit someone. I think this would help someone. And then I've kind of shut it down because I'm like, eh, well, I'm not sure. I, ha I don't have enough time to really put into it, to really mold it. And then, it, and then what happens is as life goes on, <laughs> the ideas that you had three, four years ago may not be right for today. So you, right. you wasted them. I mean, now we'll never know. Like, <laughs> right. You know I mean? And I think that's, that's an explanation of that is that I've had a lot of failure to launch in my, in my life. And then now in, in the modern days time, I'm, I'm identifying like, Hey, look, you know what? I can try this thing. And sometimes I'll, I'll get there. Like I'll, 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 I'll share with some people but not others. Cause I'm, cause I'm, it's not ready for them to see yet. I'll give you a clear example of that. You know, I had this really interesting idea that we came up with in an accelerator program back when I was in new Orleans. And, and I did this and I didn't share with anyone. Cause I was like, if I shared with people, I'm, I'm never going to do it. I just, I registered for the accelerator. I got accepted. No one of my family knew and my family and I are really close. So that's why mm -hmm. I, I'm using this example because they always know everything. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, you know what? No one's going to know. I'm just going to join this accelerator program. It was for like, I think a month, month and a half. The only time I actually ever like shared it was when I told my sister, I'm like, Hey, cause I know she's going to want to come. I'm like, Hey, I'm pitching this thing. And I think you should come over and you should see it. She's like, you're pitching. What? You never told me about it. And you know, blah, 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 blah. But so she was the only one. And I remember she came to the presentation and automatically. I was like, Oh God, my sister's in the audience. My sister's in the audience. I just started feeling a, a little wave of nerve that I hadn't felt the entire one month. <laughs> like the yeah. entire one month yeah. just fine. And then I was like, Oh God, here she comes. Uh, and, and she's the most supportive. That's a funny part. Sure. It wasn't anything negative about that. It was just this extra eye because she's going to want to see me operate at the level that she's used to seeing me operate at or the level that maybe my family would expect me to operate as. And then now I'm start, I'm not wanting to put on a show for her, not even for the people. It's like, I got to put right. on a show just for her because she's in the crowd and she's watching and what will she think? I did the, I did the pitch. It went really well. Uh, you know, they, they told me like, Hey, look, like you'd have won except that, you know, we had a few things, blah, 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 blah. So somebody else won. But I remember the coach came over and he was like, listen, I want you to, I want you to drive this. It's a good idea. Just because this didn't work out doesn't mean that you can't try it again. And, and I just kind of let it like, I was like, oh, you know what? I, I didn't win. It didn't work out. He's, he's, he wants me to try it again, but you know what? Maybe it's just a bad idea. And I put it to the back burner and mm -hmm. days like this, I wake up and I'm like, why did I do that? You know, because yeah. I left there thinking, oh, my pitch wasn't perfect. It could have been much better. Of course, mm -hmm. that's why I didn't win. It, it wasn't the idea. The idea was great, <laughs> but, right. but, but I could have been, I could have made this pitch much better and then I would have won. And, and, da, 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 da. and I, I kind of talked myself and psyched myself out of it, blaming it on perfection. Like, right. 
claiming that it was because I didn't do something right or whatever the case may be. And that's just one, I would say, example of many ways that I have either had ideas, but now I'm like, you know what? It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. Mm -hmm. Amy, there are ideas from 10 years ago that are not ready yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sounds ridiculous to say it out loud to you, but I'm, I'm really telling you, this is the element of perfectionism that has stunted everything. It's, I don't, have you ever read big magic by Liz Gilbert? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, she, in, in that book, she talks about ideation like that. Like when you have a specific idea and she, and again, this is theory. I don't, it's nothing that I can say concretely, but she talks about how, if we don't take action on ideas that they will float around into somebody else's head and they will run with it. And we, we miss out on it. And she, she has a very specific literary example that she cites in there, but that gave me so much panic. Like, Oh my gosh, not only does it have to, everything has to be perfect, but now I have to hurry. (laughs) I have to hurry with my perfection. Right. So, uh, so this is really curious. I'm also wondering, is there something that's going on right now that we could, we could move the mark on like something that you've been dragging your feet on forever that you've been using the same excuse of it's not ready. You know, I, you know, a few, a few things, you know, I think for me, I'm, one, one thing that I've found about myself is like, one, ideally, when I'm speaking in rooms of people, people like to listen, right? And I think I, I get a little bit about that. And I'm going to go back to my dad and my life doesn't revolve around my dad. It surely doesn't. But, but he's a great public speaker, right? That's all he's do- been doing my whole life. So I've been watching him speak. And, and funny enough, when I was in high school, and this is so silly and, and probably so insignificant, but, I, but when I was in high school, I remember my dad was like, you're good at speaking. You should, you should try this. People listen when you speak. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. He's like, no, 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 no. You're going to go for high school president and you're going to win. And, and I'm in Portugal, by the way, Lisbon, Portugal. I, I just moved there. I'm the least popular girl. Um, I'm probably one of three black, the three, one of the three black people in the entire, uh, what's it called, high school. That's oh, wow. literally one of the three in the entire high school. This is in Lisbon, Portugal, 10 years ago. And my dad is like, no. You're going to do it and you're going to be great, but I'm going to coach you. And I'm like, wow. Oh, you're going to coach me. Right. Of course. Of course. So then he coaches me and then he, he trains me up and he's like, yes. And this is how you're going to say it. And you're going to do this. And you're going to, you're going to run this campaign. And he's taking it very seriously. He's taking a high school (laughs) student government (laughs) very seriously. (laughs) Right. I'm talking like campaign flyers, seriously, like strategy, like this is how we're going to do it. Oh, wow. And that is the level of intensity that he brings to everything, everything to to a text message that goes out to like, even on our Easter message, it'll be like, family want to greet you on this special Easter occasion by the abundant (laughs) place of life. You know, like that's my dad. So he took it so intensely, seriously, granted, you know, we ran the campaign and we won, right? It's like, who's this girl? No one knows. And like, clearly I've never been popular. Like the, you know, I've I've never been that girl. Like, Oh, we should know. No, not even, not even if you're the diplomat's daughter, no one cares. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, I thought that was a thing. No one gives a shit. So anyways, we won in, in, and I'm saying we look at, look at the verbiage here. We won in that specific instant. And, and then everything else for me has kind of been like, Oh, well, if he said I'm good at that and clearly we tried it and, and, and we won, then yeah, we perfected it. You know, that's great. I can, I can try that now as an adult, I'm like, you know what? I love speaking to people. I really do. I, Mm -hmm. and and I don't struggle with it. It feels nice. It feels natural. But as soon as I'm done, Amy, as soon as you're done with this, I'm going to go listen to this 10 times and I'm going to say, and I'm going to overthink it and I'm going to overanalyze. I'm going to ask myself, what are people going to, what are Amy's listeners going to (laughs) say when when we're done here? Are they going to think I'm a nutcase? that's, 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 I don't know. That's one of the things. So let's, let's put that into perspective. Yes. I really want to get more out there, speak with people, talk to women, especially women who have probably gone through some of the things that I've gone through, but then Mm -hmm. I'm also hesitant because I know that one, once you put something out there into the, the digital world, you can't get it back. 
I this is right. draft, right? I can't I can't draft this one and keep it right. in my in my reservoir for ten years. <laughs> like if yes. I put it out there, I've put it out there, and that's something that I'm that I'm nervous about. And now, you know, my dad is still a really big influence in my life. Every even when I do talks or like little things like that for work, I he'll be like, send me the video. Oh, this is what you could have done better. Mm. This could have been better, or this is this, and he'll give you really good, clear, constructive criticism. Um, and that's, I think, where I'm at now. I'm at a stage where I want to start doing more of this, having yeah. conversations, but I'm worried on two folds. I'm worried about what your, your followers and fans who have never met me are going to freaking say about me. And they don't even know me. <laughs> right. And then I'm also worried about how, how I will judge myself through yes. those lens that I've been judging myself my whole life. So. So I've been brewing over here with a bunch of homework assignments. So the first, first homework assignment for sure is a commitment to not re-listen. Amy, you're asking for a lot. (laughs) (laughs) What are you asking me, Amy? (laughs) You can re-listen when it actually airs. You can listen to the airing of it. But what do you think about that as a homework assignment? I will not go back and re-listen to this. I, I will, I will do what you've asked. (laughs) (laughs) I committed to being here fully. So I will do what you ask of me. Yes. Okay. So no re-listening. Okay. So part of that is just that we're, we're hitting it from a behavioral place. Mm -hmm. So there, there's multiple facets here that I'm hearing. One is there's the internal component of just changing this belief system, mm-hmm. changing that everything has to be flawless. There's also an engagement with your dad and the relationship with your father because his behavior hasn't changed at all. And there's also a really amazing payoff because he's obviously brilliant. He provides a lot of really great feedback, but I think that enables you to stay locked in that same type of behavioral pattern. So I think that there's, there needs to be a little something there that, and I'll I'll give you ideas on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think there's also the behavior piece. And so we, if we hit it kind of in all of these angles, the most important being rewiring this belief system, I think you can start to shift some of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I give you the assignment of just no, no re-listening, that's like, it's like having an addiction to something yeah. and we just are like, okay, we're, we'll just not have alcohol in the house. It, we're not really handling the real reason why somebody drinks. Yeah. Right. So, and I don't pretend to be an authority on addiction in any way, but the example is the same here. Like we can, we can start trying to change the behavior of that was a perfect example. I'm going to go and I'm going to re-listen. I'm going to obsess and I'm going to think about all of the things I could have done differently. Yeah. That's a perfect thing to go. Okay. Let's stop stop doing that. But there's that internal belief that's actually driving the car, that 90% of the subconscious that we have to start switching. So one of the things that I think is really important with this stuff with your father, it's, it's going to be kind of like a yes. And it's, there are ways in which these sorts of things that he offers to me are really beneficial. There's ways that it has been um, incredibly influential in my own personal success, mm. in my own confidence, right? And then there's this whole other sort of like darker side of the perfectionism where there's this attachment to what other people think. Yeah. There's a massive attachment to what other people think, mm. uh, approval, addiction, all of that stuff. So what I would love to see you do is to write out a massive list of both. So writing out like, here are the ways in which his, his behaviors or his examples have been really helpful for me. And then here are the ways in which it arrests me from going after what I want to go after. Yeah. So that we can start delineating when is it helpful and when is it not? Because there's certain things that we have strong values around, like like achievement or uh, having a value around order and organization, things like that, where there's a very fine line between when it is in service of you and it builds you up and you feel amazing. And then when it's in control of you. Okay. I'm writing your homework down. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
So, so for example, I have a very strong value around order and organization, Yeah. right? I like things formatted. I like everything in their proper folder. I like things P-touched. I like, you know, so that's awesome. If at the end of the day, I've organized everything and I go, ah, I feel so good, right? So that's a scenario where that value is very much in service of me. Now, it could be another situation where I have people over at my house and I'm engaging with everyone and we're having a great time, but I'm so obsessed about the dishes getting clean or the counter being wiped off that now it's in control of me. Now it's infringing on my ability to hang out and commune with the people that I love. Now it's stealing joy instead of contributing to joy. Yeah. I think that you have a very strong value around excellence, which is what most people have if they have perfectionist tendencies. But what you need to understand is excellence is different than perfection. Perfection by its its definition is unattainable. So if we keep searching and striving for something that's not attainable, we will always be failing to launch always because we never actually get to perfect, but we can, we can quite frequently get to excellent. Hmm. We can quit. We can often get to high quality. Like you were saying, I want to give out things of quality, produce things of quality. So I'm wondering if we can even shift what the goal is of, and this is something that I use it for myself too, is to combat when I'm going into behavioral patterns like that, like when you were saying, I'm going to go re-listen, re-listen in those moments, I will tell myself, you know what? Excellence, not perfection. That was excellent. I'm going to let, let myself go and then have that mental real estate to go do something else to be productive in another way. So anyway, I've been rambling for a minute. What are you thinking over there as I'm no, chatting about this? I'm agreeing with you hundred percent. And you know, as you were talking, I was taking some of those, those notes for homework and there's something else that I want to kind of touch upon, which is, which is the truth. Um, kind of when it comes to putting things out there, right. Is I've, I don't quite, how do I put the word in? You know, I get nervous about what strangers are going to say about the things that I'm putting out. And and, and this is something I talked to my sister about the other day. And I'm like, you know, from looking, from outsiders looking in, um, I'm in sales and marketing and all those type of things. So people assume that, oh, this one, this one's got thick skin. This one's confident. I mean, this one's, this one's, she's fine, but I am really, first of all, my harshest critic, that's me, but then I'm equally in tune, worried that once I start to kind of be who I, who I know that I'm going to be, right? I know who I'm going to be. It's just a matter of time. And I'm a patient person, uh, too patient, as you've seen, Amy, too patient, uh, but I know who I'm going to be and I know where I'm going to go. And I know that once I start that, there is no going back, Right. And once I start that, and once humans, because uh, the good part about doing nothing is that no one can say anything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? You don't have, you do nothing, no one's going to bug you. You just stay in your little house and you just do your little thing. But the minute you start to launch, the minute you start to do things and put things out there, you have opened it for the world to, to provide commentary. And That's right. as much as I give the impression that I'm ready to receive commentary, I don't think I'm ready to receive it. I don't think I'm yeah. ready to let it roll off my shoulder. I'm, I'll sit on it. I'll think about it. And I'll be mm-hmm. like, hmm. You know, and I, I think about this as well with a lot of people who, who do what you do, who publicly mm-hmm. share, who publicly put themselves out there, podcasts, social profile, all those things, create brands for themselves. And every day there's this, this internet I don't know what they call them, Trojan. Uh, this is this, yeah. this, this internet gladiators who are just sharing their opinions all left, right, and center. And I wonder when, you know, when people say, oh, you know, I just, I don't listen to what people say or it doesn't affect me. I sit here mm-hmm. and I think to myself, how can you tell me that that doesn't affect you? Is it, yeah. am I the only one that that will affect? I wonder about stuff like that. Okay. So there's a couple of things you brought up here that I think are really important. One is 
what is the opposite option of hiding and not launching and not putting yourself out there? The opposite of that is regret. Mm. So for me, and I'll just share from my perspective is as much as it's hurtful to not be received well, or for somebody to not like what you have to say to me, that pales in comparison to the regret of never taking action on something I feel convicted about. Mm. So that one piece has kept me honest over the years of like, are you really going to let fear win? Are you going to let these random people on the internet who you don't know dictate what you put out into the world? And I really feel, and this is something that I've seen in my career over the last 15 years, that regret as a human emotion is one of the most challenging things to navigate. So if I can live in such a way that I don't have regrets, that at least I tried at least I put something out there. At least I was honest. At least I was authentic. Then I, I don't have to carry that regret. Now that doesn't mean, this was the other thing I wanted to mention. It does not mean that you're not going to have a different type of emotion like sadness, hmm. right? So I'll give you an example. I'm an, I'm an extremely sensitive person. Uh, all of my students know that. Like I cry with them. I cry with my clients. If you've ever been on a retreat with me, you know I'm a mess. And I love that about me. I think it's one of my superpowers. And I don't want to become callous. And I would encourage you to not put up walls or try to become having a thick skin. I think that's bullshit. But what that does mean is that if we are going to allow ourselves to feel those sad, those moments of sadness or those moments of pain, that we're also allowing for the, the opposite end of the spectrum, the joy, the ecstasy, the thrill, the bliss, all of the really uh, inspiring and fulfilling yeah. emotions, right? So what I would encourage you to look at is when we get a sad message or a rude comment, which I have gotten plenty in my life. Yeah. And I, so around the 2016 election, I did, I did an episode on dealing with the Trump presidency. There were people all over the board who like the way they received it was a vast array. There were some people who were like, thank God, I had no idea how I was going to navigate the holidays. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to speak about this with kindness, gutted. Um, I had other people who were indifferent, weren't paying attention to the, the election and didn't really care at all, missed the episode entirely. And then I had other people who didn't listen, but assumed, assumed what I portrayed and said, you lost a listener. The last eight years have been hell for me. I can't believe you would do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, just vitriolic commentary. And I was like, well, did you listen to the episode? Because the episode is one of harmony and how we can have diametrically opposed views, but still be kind to one another. And they were like, no. Blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, I wish you well. Goodbye. Now that does not mean that those comments don't sting. I want them to always sting. Because that means that I have the capability to experience the other end of the emotional spectrum. Mm. And it means that I haven't become too callous. Yeah. So the difference is, is that just because you feel hurt or pain doesn't mean you've done something wrong or you need to be ashamed of yourself or that you're not valuable or that you're not worthy. So the anecdote that you brought up earlier about the accelerator that you did, right? And you didn't get picked. Somebody else got picked. In that scenario, you could look at it and go, this sucks. This hurts. I'm going to cry. I'm going to let myself feel this. I'm going to be upset about this because I went for something that I cared about and I did not get it. Yeah. That is very different than saying, this must mean I'm not valuable. This must mean throw in the towel. Why do I even try? I'm not, you know, and just start talking shit to yourself about why it's not possible for you. One is acknowledging a pain of a circumstance. The other is saying, I must not be valuable or I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And one is about just straight up feeling your emotions. And the other is about what we make that mean about who we are. Does that make sense? It does. 
It's, it's like this situation sucks, but I don't suck. Yeah. This hurts, but I'm still amazing. I'm still valuable. Yeah. So, so what are you thinking over there? No, I agree with you. I think it takes a lot of emotional maturity to a sense to be able to even lay in your emotions and be, be in it without being consumed by it. Um, a little bit is kind of what I'm thinking. And I, and I think you're a hundred percent right. I, one thing I, I've identified for sure is that if I don't try, I'll never know. Right. Yeah. So if I don't try, I will never know. If I don't, if I don't give it effort, if I don't put it out there, I'll never know. For me as well, as an adult, it's been a lot of personal like battle for me to be open, not open, because like, I'm open, right? I'm, I can have a conversation, but I, I know, I've read enough Brene Brown to know that I'm, I'm not vulnerable. Yep. I know that, <laughs> like yep. I'm open, I can have a conversation and I can, I can t- we can take it wherever you want it to go. But the element of vulnerability, I think when I tap into that, then that is when things will begin to, to happen for me. I yeah. think, I, I, I can't be so sure, but I believe that w- once I attempt to go there to that place of, okay, because life, life has been a lot. I've had a lot of stuff going on that I haven't been vulnerable about in relationships, even intimate relationships or even personal relationships with family or whatnot. Um, I'm starting to get there. You know, I'm starting yeah. to be in that place, but I think that there is, for me, a correlation between this idea of perfection and trying my best not to ever be too vulnerable uh, to anything. Right. And where is what what that middle ground is is what I'm still I'm still trying to find. But I definitely agree with what you're saying about just you know you can be you can feel the emotion without it tearing down or making you any less than you are. And I and I that's right. That. And that vulnerability is, is something that's earned from other people. So it's not about just bawling your eyes out in, in front of absolutely everyone and telling everyone how you feel about things. It's about a select few people who have earned that right. And it's also something that you can do privately, you know, after that seeming rejection, come home and just give yourself the freedom to just cry about it. You could be completely by yourself. But it's, it's saying, I went through something emotional. I need to allow that to move through me so that I can get back up and go after whatever it is that I want to go after. All right. So I'm looking at time here and I want to size up some good homework for you. So first item of business is no re-listening to the, the episode. I'm on it. Okay. Second one is we're going to write out two lists of here is where the influence of excellence from dad. Um, here are the benefits that it's given me. And then here are the ways that it, it arrests me and it stops me and try to be as specific as possible with that. You know, like I won't send this email or I won't start my social media account, or I want, you know, try to really nail down the specific places it stops you. And then I think we need to do something around, well, definitely something around emotional intelligence over the next month. Let's find one instance where there was something that was disappointing to you, or um, maybe it was commentary from your boss, or it was something that felt like maybe a a rejection or something like that. And I want you to give yourself the freedom to grieve it, to mourn it, to feel it. So that might mean coming home, putting on YouTube where it's like, people who reunited with their parents or, you know, like just anything that makes you cry. What for me, sometimes it's, it's like X factor people who go on X factor or whatever. And, (laughs) and, and they're just unreal and they have this incredible story and then I'm just a mess, but I want you to find one instance where you normally would just not give yourself the freedom to really feel it or grieve it. And give yourself that freedom to cry. You can cry about it. You can write about it, whatever you want. And I want at the same time for you to say, this situation sucks, but I don't suck. So that you're acknowledging that differentiation between this, this hurts, but this doesn't mean that I'm not valuable. And then also, I think it'd be really good to come up with a new mantra, a statement around 
excellence or quality, something that is acknowledging that you care about excellence, acknowledging that you care about quality, but letting go of perfection. So something like perfection is a fallacy, excellence is realistic, or excellence is mine, or a tenant or something like that, but where we're acknowledging, we're not, we're not going to shoot for perfection anymore. And then that statement, you have to use it like over and over again, telling yourself that. Yeah. So what do you think about this for, for some actionable items? I think it's great. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to take some of those, some of those notes and and write that down and, and see what I come up with. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Ify, for sharing with us. Thank you so much. It was awesome. I, I was happy to get the opportunity to do so. I, you know, I even told you when I was even applying, I was like, you know, man, maybe this isn't the right time for this conversation. <laughs> like, that's to show yeah. you. <laughs> it was you everything. <laughs> it was one of the reasons why I picked you because you said, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out to even push submit. Okay, I'm pushing submit. And I was like, done, I'm picking it. <laughs> It'll that was exactly how it happened. I saw that. I was like, you know what? This is awesome. And I was like, then my mind was like, no, I'm not ready for this. I don't know. I don't know what her, her community looks like. They're going to judge me. <laughs> then I came back to it and I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it. No, no, no I won't do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm done. And then, and then I sent it. So for sure, the way I wrote it is exactly, exactly how it happened. <laughs> well, I think just to, to kind of put your mind at ease a little bit too, that's a majority of what I deal with. You know, a majority of the women that I work with will say those exact same things. It's the second guessing. It's the going back and forth. It's the, what are people going to think? So, you know, I also want you to know that around each corner, when you actually press submit, you behaved from a place of courage instead of fear. When you responded to my email, you acted from a place of courage instead of fear. When you actually booked the session so we could record this, when you showed up here, when you were honest and candid, you were all choosing courage over fear. So just use that as a reminder that you have it in you to do it, but it's about choosing courage over and over and over and over again until it becomes the new norm. And sometimes it's still scary. So, so anyway, Huge, huge gratitude to you for sharing Thank your you. story. And if anyone says anything negative, I will come at them <laughs> because that's not how we do things here. Um, but I think. No, the, that's all right. That's okay. I yeah. think, you know, the more I come to reality with the fact that people will say what people will say, whether or not that affects you, it's a choice, right? I'm happy to have been here. Happy to have shared with you such an honor and a privilege and I won't listen to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ify. Thank you, Amy. Be well. So as you can see, perfectionism is something that is directly tied for many of us to being an overachiever, to being somebody who highly values excellence. And Ify's story, I'm assuming, is going to hit home for many people I know that that was very reminiscent of how I operated in the world many, many years ago. So what I want you to hear more than anything else from today's session is that it is possible for you to break free from this. And part of the reason why you've chosen perfectionism as a defense mechanism or as a tactic is because you value excellence because you care about doing things well. And that is amazing and phenomenal. And there's a place where it crosses over and it starts to steal your joy instead of contributing to your joy. So again, like I mentioned earlier, if you're interested in looking at what that might be like for you to shift your relationship with perfectionism and genuinely value and believe in yourself and not constantly be in in that place of criticism for everything that you do, please book a call. Check out Deep Down and Dirty. You can find info on my site. But if you know that you are ready and you want to talk to somebody and see if it's the right action for you right now with what you've been dealing with, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash apply and you can book a complimentary call with a member of my team to talk about it and see if it's a good fit for you for the future. 
So hope hope that this has been a helpful episode for you. Be sure to snag some of the homework assignments and take some inspired action. Don't just shut down your your phone or your podcast app or whatever and go back to doing the same shit you've always been doing. You've got to shift your behavior, your mindset in order for things to change. So I will leave you with that. I will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life.